witness. Always go for the throat. Buy low, sell high. Fear, that's the other guy's problem. Biz Talk Radio is proud to bring you Investor's Edge with Gary Kulpbaum. Straight talk about you and your money. You can reach Gary now at 877-747-EDGE. That's 877-747-3343. Here's your host, Gary Kulpbaum. And welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan, in for Gary Kulpbaum. Gary actually has jury duty today, so he'll be back tomorrow, and I'll be back doing the show on Wednesday. Uh, today is Monday, March 18th, 2019, and we have a great show for you tonight. I want to thank you very much for being here. As you know, this is a show about you and your money and all points in between. Just as quick housekeeping before we jump into the show. If you don't get the show in your city, you can go to GaryK.com. Listen live or archive. We're live Monday through Friday, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Also at GaryK.com, you can follow Gary on Twitter by just pressing the button. You can subscribe to Gary's morning notes, and you can email him, ask him about his money management services, and also subscribe to his newsletter at ConvictionLeaders.com, and also read the other Posts that he posts uh, for free throughout the day, all at GaryK.com. A few important highlights for the show as far as the agenda. We're going to cover the market wrap. We're going to talk about news, how stocks react to news, do a little bit more of investor psychology or trader psychology because that's been received very well. I received quite a few emails uh, on Friday's show and then uh, just in, in prior shows when I've talked about the subject, so I'll touch on that again. And then I'll talk some stock sectors and just give you one sector specifically that had a very nice day today. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. It's time for the market wrap. Let's take a look here. We've got quiet day today on Wall Street. It wasn't anything to write home about with respect to big moves up or down. The market ended higher. The Dow was up 65 points, closed at 25,914 or 25,914 points. The S&P 500 closed up 10 points and changed to 28,32. The NASDAQ Composite closed up just under 26 points to 77,14. And the Russell 2000 has uh, closed up about 10 points to 15,63. That was a four-day winning streak and some of the gains I mean, would have been much up uh, much more actually except for this, once again, Boeing stock. Felt today, and it was down about 2%. News there was the – just the more scrutiny. I mean, I'm not going to dive too deep into the news here. But if you want to Google it, by all means, or just go onto any website and type in Boeing. You'll see it everywhere. But uh, more or less, the news is real straightforward. People are concerned. There's now an investigation into how the FAA certified Boeing uh, MAX airplanes. Canada is reexamining it. The U.S. is reexamining it. Other countries as well. So that's a big Dow stock, and, and that stock was under pressure. It capped some of the gains. But nonetheless, the Dow still ended up, even with Boeing down and down big. The other big stock of the day that was in the news was Facebook. We're all familiar with that stock. That company was down to three and a half, or about 3.3%, down $5.51, closed at 160.47. That stock was under a lot of pressure today. I think it was one of its worst days in a very long time, going back to that big gap down we've had back in July. And the stock closed right near its 50-day moving average, below its 200. It tried breaking out just a few days ago, but in the last three or four days, the stock has been under a lot of pressure as volume has increased. So it's been above average volume. And I'll talk about volume in a second, what that means for stocks and the big institutions, and why it's important to analyze price and volume, with volume, of course, being secondary and price being primary. But um, the stock was down today because there's just an ongoing exodus of senior management and key personnel leaving the company. And that's disconcerting, to put it nicely. Why? Because you typically don't want to see several key executives jump ship in anywhere, in any company, especially when you have a company that's been in the spotlight for a better part of the last 8 to 12 months or so due to all of the regulatory issues that they've experienced. So investor confidence, and think about that for a second, it's also called sentiment or just overall feeling for the stock, is something that's intangible. But it is such a critical, and I mean critical with a capital C, part of the equation that it behooves all of us to be very aware of how sentiment, both on a company level and a market level, ebbs and flows. Sometimes stocks are in favor where the company can do no wrong, and the stock just goes up, 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 up. Good news, bad news, sideways news, doesn't matter. Stock just goes – sometimes it's the exact opposite. 
companies out of favor, enter any reason that you want, whatever the latest headline du jour is or whatever the latest narrative is on Wall Street. Remember, these stocks all have stories. And the stock's out of favor, and the stock just can't get out of its own way, and it's just it's being relentlessly sold day after day, week after week, month after month until the selling ends. And a lot of that, ladies and gentlemen, is due to sentiment. Now, how do you gauge sentiment? Really, there's there's no one plus one equals two formula that I can give you that exists out there that 100% perfectly gauge sentiment. The way you, I gauge sentiment is by looking at the overall picture and asking myself, is this bullish or is this bearish? And if it's bullish, in other words, the way the stock is performing – then we know sentiment is positive. And if it's bearish, then we know it's negative. And that's how I keep things real simple and I make decisions and I do my best to read the tape. I always tell people that the markets are speaking and it behooves all of us to listen. And I always ask people, are you listening? And being able to listen comes with experience, number one. Number two, it comes with understanding how your stocks behave. Remember, every stock behaves differently. Some behave calmly. Some behave erratically, they're more volatile. Some behave some combination thereof. I mean, it's a spectrum. And it's very important when you're looking to buy and invest in stocks for you to understand how your stock behaves. And you can do that by studying the price action over the last 12 to 24, 36 months or longer if possible. But if I were to tell you a stock is up 4 5%, down 4 5% day to day, day in, day out, would you think that's normal behavior for something like Pepsi or Coca-Cola or Procter & Gamble or Clorox? Or would you say that's probably some small cap or micro cap company that's really just getting its feet wet, so to speak? So understanding your stock's behavior and how this price moves is really important, a really, really important part of the equation. And of course, if there's negative news like Facebook or Boeing and the stock is down, that's perfectly normal and understandable. The real question investors always ask is what's going to happen next? Remember, the market by definition is a forward-looking mechanism. And most of us and most market participants look backwards. Here's a big data point, economic data point or earnings data point or what have you. That tells us what already happened. So we're stuck looking backwards, and the market, by definition, is looking forwards. And there, in, its, in and of itself, is a real big disconnect a lot of people have, and they struggle with because no one tells them. And they're always zigging when they should be zagging and vice versa. So understanding sentiment is a real big part of the equation. I do that by studying price. That's number one. Number two, volume. Gary's talked about volume a lot on the show. As a quick refresher, volume is just basically the end of the day, all the buying and all the selling put together. And it adds it up, and it shows you right in the chart. So if you have a big down move on heavy volume that's above average, now to use Gary's words, is that Aunt Mary and Uncle Bob doing Big institutions. And the opposite is also true. When you see a lot of volume show up and a big price move up, what does that tell you? It's the big institutions doing the buying. Is that bullish or bearish? In that case, all things being equal, it's bullish because it shows you the big institutions which control the majority of the market are bullish and are buying the company or buying the stock. And that's a good thing because you want to see these people show up and buy, especially after you buy if you're long. And if, on the opposite of the way down, if you're short, you want to see the big guy sell and you want to see volume show up on the way down. So using volume in conjunction with price is really a critical component. I don't believe that volume is the be-all end-all. Some people really focus on volume. I don't think there's anything right or inherently wrong with it. In other words, inherently right or inherently wrong. It's another tool in your toolbox. That's how I use it. Obviously, you're free to do whatever is best for you. But the way that I use it, it's another tool in my toolbox. It's help. It's a piece in the puzzle. It's not the entire puzzle. Nothing is on Wall Street. There's nothing 100% perfect. But that's the beauty of the business. We're all free to interact and interpret what's happening any way we see fit. And there's a tremendous amount of freedom when you do that because there are no quote-unquote rules in a traditional sense. Obviously, for me, everything's got to follow two rules. One is legal and two is ethical. You check those two boxes, you'll be in business for the rest of the time. But with respect to buying and selling, getting in, getting out, you're all free to get in and get out anytime you want, which is tremendously liberating and it's sometimes overwhelming for some people. And that's why they graph to rules. But just remember, the market's neutral. These events are neutral. How you interact with it and your attitude towards it is what you can control. Up next, we've got a lot more to cover. I'm Adam Sarhan, and this is the one and only Investor's Edge. 
It's time to switch on the integrator units and get the brain cells working. You're listening to... Hey, this promises to be fun. Investor's Edge. The last bastion of quality programming. With Gary Kaltbaum. It doesn't get better than this. And welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan, in for Gary Kaltbaum. Uh, today is Monday, the 18th. In case you missed any part of the show, I just want to remind you, you can go to GaryK.com and listen live or archive. You can pa- listen on demand as well. You can pause the show, rewind it, fast forward, and uh, listen and re-listen to any part of the show in case you missed anything. Now, uh, we spent the first part of the show doing the market wrap. It was an update on Wall Street. The two big stocks that dominated the headlines today were Boeing and Facebook. Spoke about those. They were both down today on more or less negative news for each company. Not related to each other, obviously, but just negative news on each stock. And we spoke about sentiment. We also spoke about some tools in your toolbox. I did mention before... Uh, I go into other subjects. I want to talk about one group specifically today that broke out of range that Gary has been talking about and telling you as it was setting up over the last few weeks. And that group is the financials, ticker symbols XLF. The financials, ladies and gentlemen, tend to be a really good proxy for both Main Street and Wall Street. And the financials are more or less the big banks. The way these financials, quote unquote, work, and the reason why I say they're a good proxy for the both Main Street and Wall Street, for the economy and also for, for stocks, is because money flows through the banks. And the more economic activity we have, the healthier the banks perform, all things being equal. Less economic activity we have, the worse banks perform. Why? Because less money is moving through the system in downturns or in recessions. And in strong strong economies, more money is moving through the system. You have more mergers and acquisitions, you have more commerce being conducted, etc., etc. So when you see the banks more or less bottomed with the market at the end of December and then rallied hard, they move sideways for the last few months, I would say, month and a half. Since mid-January, or I guess the second half of January. They've been trading between, yeah, since the 15th of January, 16th of January, so it's about two months now. They've been trading between the 50-day and the 200-day moving average, more or less. And what happened today was you broke above and closed above the 200-day for the first time since September. And that's a good sign. But you also broke out of this nice little handle formation. XLF is the ETF that tracks these financials as a basket or a group of stocks. But if you want to go through, and here's where the nice handles exist, one by one, with these financials, you can see very nice moves. And this is, uh, let's look at Goldman Sachs, ticker symbol GS, Gary Sam. You have a nice sideways consolidation, quiet action. It broke out today above range, closing the upper half of the range for the daily bar, and it did it on a decent volume. Nice action. Next one, Bank of America, ticker symbol BAC. Similar action, bottomed in December, rallied hard, formed a nice long handle for the last two months, and now moved out of range and did it on decent volume. It wasn't crazy heavy volume today, but it was decent volume. JP Morgan, ticker simple, JPM. Another move higher. This wasn't as tight of a handle. It was a lot more volatile. I mean, not volatile. It's in a relative sense. So this stock went up, down, up, down. The other two that I just mentioned, Goldman and Bank America, moved sideways. So I want to be very clear with that statement. But this stock has moved right up to the 200-day. It's also the highest little handle sideways consolidation area, you want to call it. It's not as clean as a handle with JP Morgan, but the stock is acting well and it's doing its best to, to move out of range and move to the upside here. The next area you want to watch for JP Morgan is a 200-day moving average, and then uh, the chart high is going back to the fourth quarter. Whereas both Bank of America, well, actually, Bank of America and both Goldman uh, moved out of those little sideways ranges today. Uh, JP Morgan, that sideways consolidation, it's been a little bit more bumpy. That's why it's a little more volatile. In other words, it wasn't as clean of a pattern. A few other ones we can discuss. Wells Fargo, ticker symbol uh, WFC, ticker symbol WFC. Nice consolidation, nice range, moved out of range today. Very good volume over the last few days. And that next level to watch is a 200-day moving average, and then you can go back and check Q4's highs. So he's got nice action. And when you see this, and not just one stock, but the entire group, that is really, really 
good for the it bodes well for both Main Street and Wall Street, but it's, it's good for the group, it's good for these individual stocks, and it's good for the broader market. Now, a few other ones we can mention also. Let's look at Morgan Lee, ticker symbol is MS. It's trying to move out of range, not as strong, but trying to move out of range. And notice also Morgan Stanley has a lot of brokerage business and not as much commercial banking or regular retail banking, whereas the other banking centers or financial centers are more uh, banking-oriented, in other words, retail banking. I'm not Goldman as much, but definitely Chase or J.P. Morgan and Bank of America, Wells Fargo are definitely retail banking-oriented. Um, a few of the regional banks we can take a look at. Let's see here. Key Corp, ticker symbol K-E-Y. That's trying to move out, but hasn't moved out of range yet. Regents Financial, ticker symbol R-F, has not moved out of range yet. So what we're seeing is a little disconnect here between the – or divergence is a better word – between the large financial centers or the banking centers, financial institutions, and the small regional ones. The big boys all, for the most part – not all, but for the most part – broke out of range. Meanwhile, this, the regionals, not yet. So that means one of two things, typically. It means either the big banks are going to – this breakout is going to fail. It's going to roll back over and fail. Or these small regional players are going to start rallying and playing catch-up on the upside. In bull, healthy bull markets, you see the latter occur, not the former. In other words, the underperforming group plays catch-up on the upside, and the, lift, the, the rising tide lifts all ships, so to speak. So it's just something to keep in mind. And, of course, there's – well, yeah, why not? Let's talk about it. So there's, there's a concept of arbitrage on Wall Street, and I've got two little – branches of arbitrage that comes into the investor psyche and the trader psyche that I like to talk about. So arbitrage refers to, if you're not familiar with the term, it's just basically taking advantage of anomalies in price or times where markets are trading at different ways than they normally do trade. So there's – in this example, you can have big cap financials are outperforming. The smaller regional players are underperforming. You you can play – you can arbit, so to speak. You can buy one that's, and sell the other or whatever – however you want to do it. It could be the same stock, different times of the day, different currencies versus stocks. Dot, dot, dot. That's the concept of arbitrage. And there's lots of ways people arb different things. So I've got two ways that I have play on those, that word arbitrage. I've got one called time arbitrage, and the other one is intellectual arbitrage. So I'll introduce both those concepts now for you, but I'll talk a lot more about them up next because I, they're long topics, and I don't want to just briefly touch on them. But they understand that there's more to arbitrage than just arbing price. Up next, I'll talk about time arbitrage. We'll talk about the intellectual arbitrage, individual stocks, and a whole lot more. I'm Adam Sarhan, and this is the one and only Investor's Edge. You're listening to America is talking. Investor's Edge. you got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. With Gary Coltbaum. I'm highly recommended. You're going to feel better if you talk to him. And welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan, in for Gary Kalpam. In case you're just uh, joining us or you missed any part of the show, feel free to go to GaryK.com. The shows are available 24-7 on demand. You can pause it, rewind it, fast forward, and listen live and or archive. Uh, the first part of the show is a quick recap. We spoke about the major indices, had an update today on Wall Street, spoke about Boeing and Facebook. They were both down on, on negative news. Then we shifted the conversation a little bit and spoke about some sentiment, ways of gauging sentiment. We spoke a little bit about volume, how to use it. And then we spoke about the financials. Financials had a very good day today, and it was good to see confirming action through several stocks in the group. It wasn't just a one-off one or one or two uh, two names that acted well, and the rest of the group were lagging. This was good, broad action in the financials, and that's a good thing for both Main Street and Wall Street. And then briefly touched on this fancy Wall Street term called arbitrage, which is just taking advantage of discrepancies in price or you know brief anomalies or disconnects or divergences in price is probably a good word to use again. Then I briefly introduced the topic of – well, two topics. One, intellectual arbitrage, and then two, time arbitrage in no particular order. But these are two concepts that I developed that basically relate to ways that you can make money by doing two things. Number one, using time in your advantage, and number two, using your intellect. 
So intellectual arbitrage is arbing other people, your brain versus theirs, and the, or the smart money versus dumb money, however you want to word it. And the time arbitrage is how to use time in your advantage to make money over the long term. So on Friday's show, and again, if you missed it, you can go to GaryK.com and listen, and listen to the show. I spoke about Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, greatest investor of all time. We're all familiar with him. He has a great concept that he, he puts out an annual letter. And just to recap here real fast in case you missed Friday's show. And at the very end of his annual letter, he just published it. It's available online. You can Google it. Just type in Warren Buffett annual letter. And it's a great read. It's long and it's dry, so take your time with it. But at the very end, he talks about he's been trading for 77 years. And over the 77 years, his lifetime, more or less, we've experienced tremendous, explosive growth, both on Main Street and Wall Street. And he's been a beneficiary of that growth due to his investment style. And he calls it the great American tailwind. And he goes back another 77 years before when he started, so another lifetime before his, so to speak, and spoke about the tremendous growth America's had since more or less the beginning. And he's going forward, ends by going forward the next 77 years, the growth will continue. So the great American tailwind. And he goes, it'll be beyond arrogance to say that any one person you know, takes all the credit for themselves. You've got to recognize it's just the massive, the great American tailwind. So he uses, that's where I got the concept from, by the way, or I developed this concept, time arbitrage. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Master at it. And he's got a thing where he says, stay in your circle of competence or stay in your lane is what I call it. Same thing. He knows what he's good at. And self-awareness, ladies and gentlemen, is extremely important in this business. At the end of the day, you're trading against the market. You're trading against other people. You're really trading against yourself, your former self. You can arb your former self, if you will. Why? Because every day you want to get better. You want to improve, just like an athlete. Any performance business works the exact same way. You get paid extremely well if you perform. And guess what? If you don't, you sit on the bench. You're out of the game after enough time. And the same is true on Wall Street. It doesn't matter if you're an athlete, performance business, if you're a comic, if you're an actor, a musician, whatever the case may be. The list goes on and on, but you get the drift. In a performance business, you get paid, and you get paid very well to perform. And just about every performance business, you've got coaches. Not to say you can't do it on your own, but there's coaches there that accelerate your progress. I offer those services for those of you that are interested. You can just reach out on adamsarhan.com, or you can go to chartyourtrade.com and send a message. Or if you want to even website at chartyourtrade.com and I'm happy to respond. And the way that it works in a performance business is that you're in this business on Wall Street is you're competing, not physically competing. It's a mental marathon that never ends. The markets will always be there. The only question is whether or not you'll be there or not. Will you have enough mental capital? Forget the physical capital, that's secondary. For me, the primary capital that matters the most is the mental capital to be in the game and to stay there and have that time arbitrage and use it to your advantage when everyone else is getting knocked around. That doesn't mean you have to be a long-term investor, by the way. That doesn't mean you have to buy and hope and buy and hold and whatever else you want to call it. No, not at all. Short-term tactical trading is very effective when done properly. Very effective. I firsthand have seen people take millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars out of the market over and over and over again. And these are countless people that come from all walks of life with all different backgrounds. But it's the mental capital that nobody talks about or very few people talk about that I spend so much time focusing on because... That's what the challenge is. You're competing against yourself. And therein lies a perfect segue to the intellectual arbitrage part of the conversation. You're competing with yourself every single day. Sure, there's other people that you're competing with. No question. There's no doubt. Think of level one, level two. You know, level one, sure, you're competing with other people. No question. Your competition is ruthless and they're fierce. And they make no mistake about it. They have one goal. They want to take your money. It's that simple. The level two, the higher level, competition is with yourself. Because I always focus on, excuse me, I always focus on 
the items or the things that I can control. You know, what can you really control in the market? After you buy a stock, you can't control if it goes up, down, or sideways. But you can control how much you risk. You can control when you enter. You can control when you exit. You can control if you buy more or not. Do you average up? Do you average down? You can control your state. Are you in a positive state or a negative state? I've got a whole lot more of this, but I'm just briefly touching on it for the size for the time that's allotted here. Got a whole program, in fact, entitled How to Do All This Stuff. You can control your focus. Remember, you can't control what happens to you in life, but you can control how you react to it. It's the same thing. Are you trading in a negative state? Constantly frustrated, upset, angry, whatever the case is, any enter enter any negative emotional state you want, or are you in a positive state? Who do you think is going to perform better? What are you doing today? What skills are you acquiring today to become a better trader tomorrow? You know, all these kind of high-level questions is really the big, big, it's everything I do. It's a big part of my focus. Because when you master yourself, you're way ahead of the competition. Way, light years. Now, for example, what does this mean in practical terms? I'm a very good, me, Adam, at big picture thinking. It's just, that's, my, that's what I'm good at. And I'm very bad, you know, everybody has strengths and weaknesses, at super, super minutia, details. Insig- actually, let's do it this way. Insignificant details. And by the way, so are some very, very, very much more successful investors than I am. If this item matters, I'll focus on it and I'll know it inside and out. If in my mind's eye or my subconscious it's not quote-unquote important, I dismiss it. It's a weakness. So who do I surround myself with? Other people that are really good at big picture thinking? Sure, a few of them. But who do I really want on my team? People that compliment me and that are really good with the minutia and the insignificant quote-unquote details that are needed to get the job done or to move the ball down the field. What are you good at? And by the way, those aren't the only two areas, big picture or detail-oriented. There's lots of other ones on the spectrum. And I can't tell you how many people I encounter that aren't even aware of what they're good at and quote-unquote what they're bad at, their strengths and their weaknesses. So when you're investing and you're trading and it's you against them, (laughs) really, there's got to be accountability. You've got to ask yourself, what do you want? What do you want most? Are you willing to take the hard trades? So... Up next, we've got a lot more to talk about, talk some stocks and movers of the day. I want to thank you very much for being here. I'm Adam Sarhan. This is the one and only Investor's Edge. You are listening to... What are we waiting for? What are you waiting for? One, two, ready, go. Investor's Edge with Gary Kolbaugh. And welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan, in for Gary Kolbaugh, who has jury duty today. In case you're just joining us, we had a good show today. We've covered a lot of ground, and I know it's a, it's a lot of content, so I recommend you go back to GaryK.com. At, uh, it's after 8 o'clock Eastern. The show should be available, if not tomorrow, at any point in time. And you can pause it, rewind it, fast forward, and listen and, and re-listen to a lot of the, top, the topics, or specifically the, uh, the last segment we spoke about when it comes to the mental capital. It's not just physical capital that matters, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of it, in fact, I argue the vast majority of your performance is determined by your mental capital. You know, if you're an athlete, a lot of it has to do with your physical capabilities. You know, can you dunk a basketball if you're playing basketball? Can you, you know, hit a golf ball straight if you hit a golf ball if you golf? You know, in this business, in a performance business, that's based on your intellect and your mental capital is a lot more important than just about anything else because it controls everything. Now, on to enough on that subject. Let me talk about some movers of the day today. And then um, I believe that's going to be all the time we have for the show. Again, how fast is time flies? So Amazon was up about one and three quarters percent today or about 30 bucks, closed at 17.42. It's doing its best to break out of a little range here. We spoke about Facebook and Boeing on the downside. A few other ones on the upside that we can talk about. Chipotle Mexican Grill. If you want to look at an example of a strong stock, a leading stock, but also a stock that is very extended, take a look at CMG. You can take a look at the action over the last 
uh, like a few weeks, few months or so since December. Probably go back to December, two and a half months now. Very extended action. Very strong action, but very extended. Uh, AutoZone, another strong acting stock. Back in that leadership capacity, had been under pressure for a while, but it looked like it bottomed about about a year ago, last June-ish or May. Stock was up about $13 to $9.75 today, extended in the short term, again, on volume, and is extended and looks good. Another one, Edward Life Sciences, ticker symbol EW, gapped up about 6 and what is it, 6.2% today or $11.14, closed at one ninety eighty nine. Very heavy volume there. Take a look at when you have a chance. for Again, leadership, I'm just showing you what extended stocks look like because another question that often comes in, Hey, Adam, how do you know if a stock's extended? We'll take a look. Uh, buyout, this is some M&A news today. World Play, which is World Pay, excuse me, ticker symbol WP was being acquired today, so the stock had gapped up about 10% on massive volume. Uh, a few other ones, we can talk about some more extended stocks. TDG, Tom David Gary, TransDM Group, that stock was up about 2% or $9.20 to 449.07. Again, extended acting stock, but it's just leader nonetheless. A few on the downside we can cover. We spoke about Boeing. We spoke about Facebook. We have Regeneron Pharmaceuticals was down about $6.87 to $407.60. Tesla was down another two, a little over 2% or about 6 bucks. Closed down, uh, closed at two sixty nine forty nine. not acting well in the near term. And this is a little bit in the oversold territory, but again, it's a very news-driven stock. Spoke about Facebook. Facebook was down today. Uh, let's see here. If you want, I don't want to cover that one. It's too thin. Biogen was down about 4 bucks and 22 cents to three twenty five sixty five. Um, associated Capital, ticker symbol AC. This is a thinly traded stock, but it was down about 10% to, or down $4.18 to 38 and change. Aluminum, ILMN was down about 4 bucks, close at 305.78. It has a long downward trend line, but take a look at Illumina, ILMN, in case that thing breaks out and goes up. A lot of time you get these concepts of a forgotten leader. And what I'll do there is talk about that for a second. Leading stocks in Wall Street come in all different shapes and sizes, more or less the way that I define it. And of course, you're free to define it any way you want, is I just look for stocks that are acting well. Strength. Strong relative strength, in other words, outperforming its peers and it's outperforming the, the market, the major indices, the S&P, the Dow, and the NASDAQ. I also look for stocks that are trading near 52-week highs or all-time highs and are pulling back off those highs and then on the way back up again. So brief temporary pullbacks off those highs. Now, that's my definition of leading stocks, just percent change, strongest stocks of the year. That's just a real simple way of doing it. So that allows me to focus on, by definition, the strongest of the strong. What happens is you get these stocks that become forgotten leaders, and I've they more or less look at Netflix, for example, where the stock falls out of favor. Back in 2012, it was left to die, so to speak, because they tried raising prices. They did it too aggressively. The market sold off hard. Stock got punished. Fell, I think, 83% or 85% in a very short amount of time. And then Carl Icahn stepped in, started buying it, and the stock just took off. Now, the stock was a leader from 2009 all the way up to 12, so in two, three years, strong action. Became a forgotten leader, plunged 85% became a forgotten leader, and then took off on one top side and just exploded higher and continues to be a very strong acting stock till this day. Just a good example of forgotten leader. So whenever I see these, these big stocks that have had huge runs that fall out of favor, now granted, they're no longer leading stocks, ladies and gentlemen, but they fall into that category of forgotten leader. So I pay attention. There's nothing necessary to do right now. I'm not going to go in there and buy it just because it had had a good run in the past. Remember, most leaders of the former leaders don't lead again in the next cycle, but that's okay. The few that come back and that are resurrected, so to speak, those come back and boom. And there's lots of examples over the years. Apple, same situation. It fell in favor back around the same time, 11, 12, and then it bottomed and then took off. You had Green Mountain Coffee, you had Monster Energy, you've had Amazon, you've had Facebook, you've had, you know, the list goes on and on and on. So just keep, keep that in mind. If these forgotten leaders come back to life, and that's a big if, look at AutoZone. We just talked about AutoZone a few, a few minutes ago. Another example of a forgotten leader. When it came back around, it bottomed. After a big decline, they come back. Chipotle, same thing. Another forgotten leader. They come back and they come back with a lot of oomph. Doesn't mean you buy them when they're down, but I keep them on my radar because when they go back up, they go back hard, hard and fast. 
Anyway, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank you very much for being here. Gary will be back tomorrow. I'll be back Wednesday. And good night, all. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. This clean edit of Investor's Edge created by Stu Lander. Follow me at twitter.com slash S-T-O-O-L-A-N-D-E-R.